Now to our reading, we hear the word of God and then Dan will come and speak to us. So we're reading from Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. You Be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. This is the word of the Lord. Fantastic. Thank you, Anita. So at the beginning of uh, the sermon this morning, I just wanted to stop and just say, uh, wasn't it amazing? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't it amazing hearing those cap stories and hearing the way that God is at work by his spirit in the ministries that we've got involved here at Christchurch and hearing those good news stories of how God is at work drawing people out of debt, helping those that are in need that can't uh, help themselves. And as we draw alongside them uh, and help them practically, it's an opportunity to say, this is the love of God in practice. God is revealing his love for you through us as we're able to help you. Uh, And I was just so encouraged and just want to say thank you to uh, Rosie uh, and Sally and Mark and all the hard work that you're doing. And, and, and as Christchurch is doing more work out in the community, we're having more contacts and we're finding out of more people in need. So if you've been moved or encouraged by the stories and would like to be more involved in the work of CAP, do have a word with Rosie afterwards. Uh, she can always use more debt coaches and more people. So uh, if, if you've heard something that stirred you up, go and have a word with Rosie at the end. So let let me pray now as we come to reflect on this passage in Luke 10. Uh, Gracious Lord, we pray that as we reflect on your word this morning, that you would speak to us. We pray that your spirit would fill us. You would open our eyes and we pray, Lord, that you would give us courage to respond to your word this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last few months or so, we've been thinking about developing uh, a faith-sharing culture. Uh, And we've been focusing on praying for three people to become Christians, thinking about asking good questions that would stimulate uh, conversations with those who are not yet believers. We've been thinking about how we tell our story of faith uh, so that that would encourage and bless and draw others closer to Jesus. 
We've been thinking about how we can offer hospitality and how that can be a doorway into revealing something more of God's love for his people. And today, we're going to finally round up the ser- uh, this sermon series thinking about identifying people of peace. Now, it seems to me that much of our faith sharing is often guilt-based or guilt-ridden. I know it's something I should do. I know it's something I ought to be doing, but I find it so difficult, and I'm not really very good at it. But I must do it because I know that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So how do we move from this guilt-based, guilt-ridden, faith-sharing place that a lot of us find ourselves in to a place where we see something more of the way of Jesus, something that is grace-based and spirit-led. And I think that that's what we begin to see a little bit of in this passage in Luke, two, in Luke 10. It's a way of life that Jesus called his disciples to and then sent them out, both the 12 and the 72. And so as Jesus' followers today, his disciples are seeking to make disciples, there's some things that we can learn from this passage that might help us to move from a guilt-based, guilt-ridden, faith-sharing idea to a kind of a spirit-led, grace-based way of thinking and operating. If I was to ask you to raise your hand now to show whether you came to Christ because of something that someone shared with you, maybe a friend or a work colleague or a family member sharing something with you, my guess is that probably 90% of you would probably put your hand up. The reason that most of us became a Christian is because someone we know, someone we love, someone we care about shared something of who Jesus was with us. Maybe they asked us some questions. Maybe they shared something of their story and their journey to come to know Jesus. Maybe they shared a scripture or an insight into a scripture uh, and it was that that helped us come to know and understand the truth of who Jesus is. Sharing something of who we are with others is the way that we share something of who Jesus is and we see people drawn to him. Church events, church meetings, church services, church programmes and strategies are, are, are important. But most people come to know Jesus through a personal friend or a personal relationship. I could preach my heart out here along with all the other members of the team that preach here, but ultimately it's about you guys out there in the pews, in the chairs, uh, being empowered and equipped to be able to share your story with your friends in your networks. That's how people generally come to know and love Jesus. That's why we've been concentrating on thinking about how to develop this faith sharing culture. That's why we spent the last sort of eight or ten weeks thinking and preaching about it. So this morning, as we pick up this story in Luke 10, what is it that we can learn from this that might help us uh, to identify people of peace? 
You might even be thinking, well, what do you mean by people of peace? Well, I hope now to be able to try and explain that to you. Uh, And it may be a principle that you can take hold of. I hope that you all know here that our vision here at Christchurch is learning to live the life. Learning to live the life. Learning to live the life of Jesus. Or learning to live life the Jesus way, the Jesus shape. A process of becoming more like Jesus. A process of loving people more like Jesus did. A process of doing the things that Jesus did. It's a process of growing in dependence upon God, discerning his work of grace in the world, and joining in with that. And I guess at the root of this is this understanding that God is already at work by his spirit out there in the world, in the community in our friendship networks, in our places of work, in our family, in the places where we hang out at the weekend. I don't know if that's playing bowls or going to the gym or watching the rugby or the football, whatever it is, the places where you go and the places where you are, God, because he's the missional God, is already there ahead of you at work by his spirit, seeking to reveal more of who he is to his children and draw them back to himself. So since we believe that God is already at work in the world, we don't necessarily need to manufacture activity to be on mission for God. Instead, instead our task is to be on mission with God. To notice where he's already at work by his spirit and to join in with that. Because God has gone before us, ahead of us. He's preparing the way. He's already preparing the hearts and minds of people out there beyond our church walls to reveal more of who he is, the truth of it, to experience the reality of Christ alive today in you and me, out there. So what do we need to learn to discern where God is at work and to be able to participate with him out there. And I believe that what we see here in this passage in Luke 10, as Jesus sends out the 72, is exactly that. A process of discerning where God's grace is already at work ahead of us. So, naming the grace, or naming the place or the, where God is at work, is this identifying the person of peace. It's it's that sense of noticing where God is already at work by his spirit and is at work in his grace, seeking to draw people to himself. So let me just highlight to you a few verses. Verses 5, 6, 7 and 8 in that Luke 10 passage. And this is what it says. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick that are there, 
and pronounced, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So this sense of identifying people of peace, I think that there are three things that we can say just from those few short verses. A person of peace is someone that will welcome you, will invite you in, will want to seek to spend time with you, build relationship with you, enjoy being in your presence. We saw that, didn't we? They, they say they will welcome you and you will stay in their house. That's what we've read in the passage. The next bit is they will welcome you, they will provide for you. And it says stay in the house Eat and drink whatever they provide for you. A person of peace will welcome you and they will provide for you. Now, it also says in the passage, uh, don't move around from house to house. Uh, I suspect that maybe there was a bit of a tendency back then that uh, hospitality was regularly offered, but maybe if you didn't like the quality of the food that you were being uh, provided with, that you might nick off to the next house and see if you could get a better roast dinner. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't do that. When someone welcomes you in and they provide you with food and drink, stay there, enjoy it, be blessed by it. Don't go looking for something better, but actually receive what is being offered to you. And then the last thing is that they will receive from you. And the interesting bit here is that they say, uh, Jesus says, cure the sick and tell them that the kingdom of God is near. So when someone welcomes you and provides for you, they're in a place to be, then be able to receive from you what you have to offer to them. And this is a way of discerning who is a person of peace? Who is a person that is ready because God, by his spirit, is already at work in that person, preparing them for what it is that you will say, for what it is that you will do, in order to help share something of who God is with them. That he is alive and present here today, active in this world. You're there to help open their eyes, to help introduce them to Jesus, to help receive something of the truth of who he is. Now, this person of peace uh, is often a person that opens the way for the gospel into a, a community. Now, obviously, at the time, Jesus is talking to people going into the, his disciples that were going to go from village to village. But for you and I today, it might be people that are in our network or our friendship group. That might be because of the place where you work. It might be because of the gym you go to on a Friday night. It might be the pub that you drink at on a Sunday morning after church. I don't know. It depends on, on what it is. What I'm trying to say is these people of peace are out there in our networks already because God is already at work by his spirit. And our job is to have our spiritual eyes opened and to notice who these people of peace are, the people that welcome us, that provide for us, and that are willing, to, therefore, to receive from us. So let me just share with you a few observations from, of people in peace in the Bible. <clears throat> you might remember Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw Levi, the tax collector, sitting in his booth and he said to him, follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. And the next scene in Mark chapter 2 is at Levi's house. 
So Jesus has seen Levi in his tax booth doing his tax collecting. He says, follow me. And the very next story we read in Mark 2 is that Jesus has gone to Levi's house. Jesus is being offered hospitality by Levi. But Levi has also invited his business associates, uh, all the sinners, if you like, to a large meal in order to introduce them to Jesus. Levi was a person of peace. He was a way into that uh, tax-collecting community. And as Jesus met them over a meal, so they began to encounter the reality of the Messiah, not that they knew that he was the Messiah or the one that they were waiting for. I should note, uh, a person of peace may not have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, but they're still open to the gospel message. And it's this openness to the sharing of the gospel that shows that God is already at work within their life. Levi welcomed Jesus. He opened his home to him and he invited his friends to come and meet with Jesus. Perhaps the most impressive example of a person of peace is in John 4, when Jesus spoke with the woman at the well. I suspect you all know this story well. He meets the woman at the well outside of Samaria. She's an outcast because of her having had five husbands and now living with a man who was not her husband. Jesus went up to the well and said that he was thirsty. And so the woman drew water and gave him something to drink. The woman gave Jesus a drink. She offered him hospitality. They engaged in conversation. And the Lord must have opened her heart and revealed something of who he was to her because she then went back to the village and said, you've got to come and meet this guy. He's changed my life. He's turned my world upside down. He knew everything there was ever to know about me. Come and meet him. And then we know that as a result of that, many Samaritans believed in Jesus. The woman at the well was a a person of peace. And if we turn to the book of Acts... I've run out of time, but I need to just show you this, tell you this story. Uh, in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul had a similar experience with Lydia outside Philippi. Uh, the Jewish people met outside beneath a tree to pray. And so we hear that Paul went there outside of the city to meet with the Jewish people. And we read in Acts 16 that the Lord opened her heart to Paul's message. And as a result, she opened her home and invited Paul, Silas, Timothy and Luke and the missionary group to go to his house and have a meal. And as a result, we read a few verses later that in encountering Paul and his team, Lydia then chose to, have, to be baptised and to encourage her whole household and all the people that lived there to be baptised. She was a root into drawing the whole household, the whole family, into, the, uh, into knowing who Jesus was. She was a person of peace. Uh, now, a few years ago, when I was up in Harrogate, um, one of my big passions and one of the things I did a lot of t- spent a lot of time doing was schools work. 
And there was a school just up the road from where I lived, uh, and it's the school that my children went to. And I went to meet the head teacher. It was a community school, not a church school. And I told them that I was the local vicar. uh, And I said, would you like me to come in and take assemblies? And she said, yeah, yeah, that would be great. She was really enthusiastic, really welcoming. And I came in, uh, and I would take the odd assembly, sort of once a term. And it was pretty hard going, and it felt like there was a real standoffishness uh, in in amongst the school environment. Uh, But I kept believing that this was really important and really worthwhile in pursuing. So I kept going and I kept doing these assemblies. Now I thought I was pretty good at assemblies, but I kept getting this kind of stone wall effect. And it felt like pushing treacle uphill. Uh, And I was getting really demoralised, and this went on for a number of years, and then one day, The year six teacher caught me as I was picking up my kids and said, "Uh, we're doing an RE topic next week where we're supposed to be interviewing a Christian. Would you come along and answer some questions uh, for the children? And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. I'd love to do that. It would be great. So I came in slightly uh, wondering what it was going to be like, how it would go, what kind of reception I'd get. Uh, and this year six teacher, you could tell, was slightly unsure as to ha- how, quite how to handle me and quite how this might go. Uh, and it started off a little bit sort of tense and a little bit of a no, no one quite knowing how it was all going to play out. Uh, and eventually, as she kind of found out that I, I could kind of uh, answer the questions without trying to proselytise the whole class there and then on the spot, things began to change and the atmosphere changed and it began to warm up. She kind of relaxed and the children began to engage much more quickly in this kind of quick fire answering questions and I would do my best, very badly, to try and answer their questions. But it was a great occasion and it all went off really well. And almost overnight, my relationship with the school changed. It seemed that this lady had a huge amount of power in how the school functioned and ran. And although I'd met with the head teacher and she'd welcomed me in, it was the year six teacher that kind of had the ear of all the other teachers. And almost overnight, my relationship with the school changed. Uh, And they would ask me to come in and do more regular assemblies. And it got to the stage where the relationship between the church and the school had grown so much that the school would come to the church for all the major festivals for their school uh, services. They asked me to go in and take an assembly once a week. I was regularly going in to help with RE lessons and we would hold uh, prayer stations and retreat mornings in the, ch- in the school, uh, sorry, in the church that the school was invited to come and be a part of. You see, the lady in year six, she was a person of peace that had sway with the whole school. And the moment she thought this person's okay, She kind of uh, spoke well of me to other people in the school and the nature of my relationship with the school changed overnight. And as a result, loads of children and families started coming to the church where I was uh, associate vicar. She was a person of peace. So in, in each of these various examples of Jesus and his disciples in the book of Acts, in the story I've told you, There was a practice in identifying people of peace. We read, don't we, in the Gospels that Jesus spoke to crowds and crowds of people. 
but I believe that they did the most significant work through the specific individual interactions that they had with people that God had already been at work in preparing them for the engagement and conversation that was to come. The person of peace, if you like, is where the soil is good. So when you plant the seed, it will grow and bear fruit. Jesus commanded the 12 and the 72 to look for the person of peace in the villages that they would visit. It seems logical to me that therefore, as Christ's disciples and followers today, that you and I too would seek to identify the people of peace in our friendship groups and our networks. Who are the people that we should invest into, that we should sow our time and energy into, that we should share the gospel with? So as I conclude now, let's just spend a moment or two and I'm going to, in the quiet, encourage you just to spend some time listening and asking God to show you who is a person of peace in your networks, in your friendship groups that God is already working in and preparing uh, for the gospel to be, seeds to be sown. So we're going to spend a little bit of quiet just asking God to open our eyes and show us the people of peace that we could then uh, pray that we would have the courage to respond to. And then we're going to sing. So let's just be still for a moment or two and ask that God's Spirit would speak to us and show us a person of peace in our friendship group or network. Father God, thank you that you are at work in your world, preparing hearts and minds, seeking to reveal more of who you are, drawing people to yourself. I pray, Lord, that you might show us, each one of us here today, a person of peace, a person where you're already working at work in by your grace. And I pray, Lord, that you would pour into us your spirit of courage and strength, that we might uh, respond to that person of peace, that we might share with them. Maybe someone that we could invite to a Christmas service this year. Strengthen each one of us and give us eyes to see, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.